It was good to wake up at home this morning after traveling a very long day, 11 hours yesterday from Indiana, uh, spending it with our family for Thanksgiving. Danette and I were saying that even when we close our eyes this morning, we can still feel the turnpike flying. You know that feeling? <laughs> of too much movement, 11 hours of movement in one day. Let's, uh, let's pray together. O oh God, in this winter season of growing darkness, and in the dark places in our own lives, we are a people yearning and longing for your light. And so this morning, as we reflect upon your word, we pray that you would shine upon us and meet us in our yearning. We pray this through Christ, the light of the world. Amen. A few years ago, a good friend and I spent part of an afternoon at the Art Institute of Chicago. And since we only had a couple hours, we decided to take one another around and show each other some of our favorite works of art. As a kid growing up in Jerusalem, I had especially loved Marc Chagall's stained glass windows of the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, they're found in the Hadassah Hospital, and if you ever collected stamps, they were on some Israeli stamps as well. And so that afternoon in Chicago, I took my friend to see another stained glass work by Chagall called America's Windows. And standing, if you've been there, it's a wall of panes of windows, eight feet tall and 32 feet wide. And standing there in front of those windows, we were completely enveloped in their warm glow of blue, blue, blue light. I posted a picture of the windows on listserv. You can look at it later. Standing there in front of those windows, the space felt so holy because of the light coming through them that everybody was speaking in a hushed voice as if they were in a church or perhaps in a cathedral. And the fascinating thing about those windows is that if we had arrived just a couple hours later, after sunset, those windows would have been completely dark, completely opaque. You see, their beauty came not from themselves, but from the light shining through them. Their glory came from their relationship and their proximity to the light shining through them. As Sheldon shared with us this morning, we're beginning a new season of Advent. 
in a new church year of readings from the Gospel of Matthew. We're in a three-year cycle of readings here in our church and throughout the global church. Matthew is the first year, last year was Luke, and the year before that was Mark. And as you can see in your bulletin, we've chosen the theme of God's light dawning as the focus for our four Sundays leading up to Christmas. You know, if you think about it, the Bible mentions light numerous, numerous times. I think there are are almost 200 stories or mentions of light in our scriptures. Genesis, of course, opens with God saying, let there be light. On Mount Sinai, Moses' face shines after entering the radiant cloud of God's glory. When Solomon dedicates the temple, it is filled with God's luminous presence. I wonder if light is such a prominent theme in scripture to help us to contemplate the great mystery of a God who is unseen and yet always present with us. You see, just like God, light is untouchable but real. Light overcomes darkness. Light makes vision possible. Light gives life. We can't see light, we can't see God, but both permeate our lives. Our Isaiah reading today takes us back some six or seven hundred years before Jesus. Remember that God has chosen the children of Israel to be a light to the nations, to be a contrast community to the world of God's justice and shalom, to be a model of God's special concern for the vulnerable, the vulnerable orphan and widow and immigrant. But in Isaiah 2 today, if you read in the chapter before it, we find instead God's people oppressing the vulnerable and the poor. God's people worshiping idols and putting their trust in the weapons of war. It's very interesting. It's in these darkest of times that some of Israel's strongest prophetic voices emerge. The radiance of God's light sometimes shines most brilliantly in those times when our world seems darkest. Let me say that again. The radiance of God's light sometimes shines brightest most brilliantly in those times when our world seems 
darkest. And so prophets like Isaiah, whom we hear today, begin to anticipate the coming of God's servant who will fill the land with light. Jerusalem will become a display of God's glory, reflecting God's light to the world. And all the nations will come streaming to it. Swords will be beaten into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. People will no longer be learning the ways of war, but will be training instead in God's ways of peace. And in that passage, we see people's very best creativity focused no longer on weaponry and destruction, but on building and planting and caring for the good of all. And then in verse 5, there's a very surprising change from all of this future, God will, God will, to suddenly a focus on the present. The prophet Isaiah says, O house of Israel, come now, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Live now. Live now, today, according to God's coming future. Demonstrate today the love and the justice of God's coming reign. Reflect the light of God now in your lives. The dawning of God's light in Jesus the Messiah is ushered in by more stories about light. Shepherds are blinded by skies filled with angels. A gleaming star guides the Magi to Bethlehem. The birth of Jesus, as we love to sing in Silent Night, marks the dawning, the dawn of God's redeeming grace. And later, through Jesus' ministry and death and resurrection, his followers come to see that in Jesus they have encountered someone entirely translucent to God. Or translucent with God. In him shines a light that no darkness can ever overcome or extinguish. And in our Romans 13 reading, Paul urges us to clothe ourselves with this Jesus and to put on his armor of light. But notice that this armor is not meant for the destruction of our enemies, but for their healing and transformation. Look at Romans 12, 21, right before our reading. Our goal is to overcome evil with good. And just right before our reading in 13, 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. 
So in calling us to put on the armor of light, Paul is cleverly subverting military images to describe the nonviolent ways of the children of light. Wearing this armor of light, we join God's ongoing work of mending and healing and redeeming our broken world, living today according to God's future. And then in our final reading from Matthew 24, Jesus urges us to stay awake, to be ready, to watch and wait for his final return at the end of history when he will come to set right all that is twisted and polluted and unjust. Now, this doesn't mean that he wants us to spend our days going to prophecy and end-time conferences. Rather, as Jesus says today, it means walking our lives in his light, dedicating our lives to his concerns. And what are his concerns? Well, he tells us in the very next chapter, feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, and visiting folks in prison. As we share his light with our world, we are awakened and made ready to joyfully welcome him when he returns. Chagall's windows at the Art Institute were first installed back in 1977. And for 28 years, they drew huge crowds. But by 10 years ago, they had become covered with a hazy gray film that was blocking the light and obscuring their beauty. And for five years, they worked to clean off the oil and the calcium carbonate and the dirt. All these things were painstakingly removed to reveal the full glory of Chagall's work. And friends, in the same way, our witness to the world is directly proportional to the amount of Christ's light that is shining through us. And so this Advent season, before the Christmas rush overtakes us, Has it overtaken you yet? Not yet. First Sunday of Advent, we're always still in the safe zone. But during these coming days, I invite you to take up a very simple ritual. Perhaps every morning, perhaps every evening, simply to light a candle and to spend some time gazing into the light of Christ. 
And after a little while, I invite you to ask two very simple questions. First, where in your life are you longing for the light of Christ? And maybe a connected question to that is, what's blocking that light? What needs to be removed? And a second question is, with whom might Christ be calling you to share this light? With whom are you being called to share this light? And please remember that sharing the light of Christ often happens not in heroic acts, but in small acts performed with great love. Did you know, for example, that Patricia Heyman, do you know what she was doing when she fell and broke her ankle in three places? Some of us do. She was performing a small act with great love taking a bit of food over to a neighbor in need here on our street on East Chestnut. With this presidential election just two weeks behind us, I imagine we all had some pretty interesting conversations over our Thanksgiving meals this past week. Maybe I'm the only one. I doubt it. I know some of us were feeling quite anxious about these family times because of significant differences about the outcome and how we felt about it. But sisters and brothers, whether you vote a Democrat or Republican or third party, whether you lean blue or red or purple, Jesus' call to us here at East Chestnut remains clear and unchanging. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. And I believe we may be heading into times now where this call to stand with the vulnerable, whether people of color, whether Muslims or gays or immigrants, where this call may be more urgently needed and more costly than ever before. So here at East Chestnut, let us be together a community of loving resistance to the winds of hatred blowing through our world. A community where I can gather my tiny little flickering light with your tiny flickering light and yours and yours and yours, and together we can become a light, the light of Christ together. 
a light that is untouchable but real. A light that overcomes darkness. A light that makes new vision possible. A light that gives life to all. Amen.